Way back in 1678, John Bunyan wrote the classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress. The allegory brings to life the difficulties followers of Jesus face in navigating the challenges of living to God's glory in this broken world. Even though the story is almost 350 years old, Bunyan's young protagonist, Christian, is not unlike our children and teens today. How can we equip our children and teens to navigate the unique set of pressures, dilemmas, challenges, choices, and expectations they face in today's youth culture? And are there ways to facilitate the development of Christian wisdom and skills in cultural discernment that will serve them well for the rest of their lives? Join us as we chat with two youth workers about a new resource from CPYU designed to help kids navigate today's culture to the glory of God on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. The summer is over, and I think that if we were licensed to play popular music, which we're not on this podcast, we'd probably have an intro with something like the old song, See You in September, or Earth, Wind, and Fire, September, or any other song about September. But we're not licensed, so you'll just have to imagine that those songs are playing. But I know that everybody is back in the swing of things, or at least trying to get back into the swing of things with the new school year. Parents, you are either shedding tears as your young children go off to school for the first time, which happened in our family uh, with a grandson just yesterday, and then those of you who have older kids, you're shedding tears of joy, I'm sure, as you are having a little more freedom in the home now that the summer's over and your kids are gone. But youth workers, too, you're getting back in the swing of things. It's been fun to track with the youth worker friends that I know online as they're talking and sharing about what they're going to be doing this fall. And for that reason, I'm excited to have a couple of my dear friends here who are involved in youth ministry, Kevin Yee and Kyle Hoffsmith. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a minute. But we're going to have a conversation about a new resource that we have put out here at CPYU in conjunction with Reformed Youth Ministries and their track series. It's a little book for students that we encourage youth workers and parents to use in their youth groups and in their homes. It's called A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. We're going to talk about that because both these guys are planning on and have been using this. They both read it and they're they're familiar with it, so we're going to have a conversation about that. But before we do that, let me start. Kevin, welcome from Northridge, right? Are you sitting in Northridge, California right now? That's where my church is. Oh, okay. Yes. I yeah. See, I mess this up every time I have you on. I had it so perfect, <laughs> you know, church every day in Northridge, California. But That's right. Are you living in L.A.? Uh, no, I live in Santa Clarita specifically. Okay. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes north of L.A. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the church there and some of your involvement. And I want you to talk about your podcast, because we want to point people to that. It's one of the most unusual podcasts out there, so so go for it. And by unusual, you mean best. Um, yeah, so Thanks I'm for the... putting words in my <laughs> mouth. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I am the college and young adults uh, pastor at Church Every Day, and right now I've actually um, taken on the interim youth ministry role as we uh, search uh, for a full-time youth pastor. Um, I've been doing youth at our church now for the last uh, 18 years. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be back uh, and doing youth ministry, as crazy as it is, during this particular season with everyone back in school. Um, but yeah, I also host a podcast. Um, it's it's part of the Rooted family of Rooted Ministry family of podcasts called Thanos to Theos, where we talk about comic books and culture and theology and the intersection of all of that. Um, with regards to how we apply the lessons we've learned uh, in youth ministry. And I love and, and that. I, I love that. And you know, we've joked back and forth. I'm not really steeped in the comic book and superhero world. Uh, it's just not part of my thing. You know, and you guys joke with me because when I was a kid, you know, I was reading like Archie 
comics. I mean, that was the extent of it for me. But you guys are really into it. And what I love about it is you're taking cultural artifacts and you're looking for truth. Um, you're looking for aspects of that world that, that is not truth. And you're helping students understand God's will and way for their lives as you engage with, with the culture. And, and, and the comic book world's a, you know, a big world. And you guys are, are part of it. So every time I, I tune in or I have a conversation with you guys, uh, Mike and Clark are on there as well. Uh, I, I just feel like a total outsider. <laughs> but you're educating me, so that's good. I know we have a lot of comic book fans. Yeah, and yeah. and I want to mention your your church is. Um, this question came to my mind here, but your your church is is Korean American, yep. uh, so you have you have those cultural issues as well in terms of the multiple generations. Just out of curiosity, you know, with all of the emphasis on multiculturalism, and you know, we're seeing. Uh, not just here in our neighborhood where we live, but even in our large, more traditional PCA church that Lisa and I are a part of, uh, much more of a of a multicultural bent as we're having a lot of refugees come in. Are, is that mm. are, are the Korean American churches trending in that direction as well? Well, so we have a language barrier, so I would say that that makes it tough. But within the second generation, the primarily English speaking congregations, there's definitely a desire for us to better understand what it means to be part of a Korean American church when our heart's desire is to really be in a multicultural setting and as we have a heart for that. So I think for us, it's more transitioning into how do we serve our community, local community better. So for the longest time, we've always considered our community to be um, the sort of Korean diaspora that's mm -hmm. around the LA area. Uh, but now, especially for second generation, we're thinking about how do we make an impact in our local community, like, like a five mile radius of our church how do we make an impact there? And we're having those conversations and have been having those conversations for the last couple of years. And it's hard. It's hard because we're such a commuter community to begin with. You know, uh, people are always driving 30, 30 to 40 minutes, you know, just to get to church. And so for people to gather, um, if it's not specifically for our own community, it's really hard to motivate people to serve their local community. Because it's not really, there's the churches, you know, five mile radius, but then everyone lives like, 20, 30 miles away. So okay. that makes it harder. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I was thinking about that with the traffic, you know, in the LA area. Oh, and, and it's just gotten when, bad again. Yeah, yeah. When you say 30 to 40 minutes to get there, I'm thinking they might live three blocks away. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've been involved in some of that. I mean, we live, we live 18 miles from our church and dare I say we can be there in 14 minutes. Uh, perhaps even You're driving even too fast. Less, so. It's dangerous, Walt. Uh, you're assuming I'm driving. <laughs> that's you don't make that assumption you don't know what's going on yeah so i yeah I, that's th thanks for answering that because i think sometimes with this multicultural thing uh we value that so highly as we should that we try to make things happen rather than asking the right questions and making the right moves and letting the lord work organically you know through things so it's neat to hear that that's that that's happening i just that, that question came to mind as i you know, started the discussion with you guys, and I thought, I'll ask that, I'll ask that. Well, thanks. Thanks, Kevin, for being on this. And, and Kyle, Kyle Hoffsmith, who's a good friend as well, is at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. Yes, uh, I'm at Old North Church. I'm the student pastor here, and it's good to be back on your podcast, Walt. And and tell us a little bit about, you know, the 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 crux of your ministry, you know, the, the, the main emphasis. You know, you, you when you talk about this to people— you're passionate about about it and you know just teaching the bible and and talking about theology talk about that because sometimes i think in youth ministry we think that we've got to sort of do an end around to get there rather than being very direct and that kids aren't going to be interested in learning about the bible and and theology but your experience has been markedly different yeah over the past several years we're really blessed here myself and uh, pastor josiah our middle school pastor and olivia who works with us here in our student ministry we've kind of narrowed down on two words that kind of define what we're doing and that's teaching and training so we want to be a youth ministry that teaches the bible i've been telling people i've been on a i call it a five-year experiment that i've been here at old north that can you grow a youth ministry where the primary thing that you're putting most of your emphasis in is just teaching the Bible. And over the past five years, it's been so cool to see God bring more and more students and more and more families 
but we realized that, yes, we need to be teaching. We need to have them sitting and listening to a pastor or youth leader teaching the Bible, and that's good. But we've also realized we want to train them to read the Bible on their own. And so over the years, we've been uh, slowly building and tweaking and building a one-to-one Bible reading program that kind of goes parallel to the Bible teaching. So students are getting Bible teaching, but then they're also reading the Bible on their own and discussing it with a youth leader. And it's, I mean, just God is very gracious when I had to have a conversation with one of our pastors this morning saying we had more girls sign up for the one-to-one Bible reading program than we have leaders that can read the Bible with them right now. So I would just uh, say to any youth worker out there who's listening to this today, uh, it is possible to grow biblical literacy in your youth ministry. And as we're about to have this discussion about um, the CPYU book that Walt, you just wrote that just came out, it is possible also to grow um, a culture of reading in your youth ministry, where I've just seen students who maybe wouldn't, uh, most youth pastors would say, ah, kids don't wanna read books on theology. But when you set the bar high, not every student will, will rise up to it. And that's okay, because we're all a work in progress, right? I'm not who I was when I was 17. Walt, you're not who you were when you were 15. Thank uh, goodness. But we're, <laughs> we're all a work in progress. And uh, just having a blast seeing students. Um, yeah, I mean, I buy them donuts on my way to church every, every Sunday morning when we have this uh, theology Bible, uh, theology reading group. Because I'm like, if students will come an hour early and discuss a theology book with their youth pastor, they deserve donuts too. So uh, we uh, we meet and read the Bible and eat donuts and read theology books and see what happens. So. And one of the things I love about that, Kyle, is you're so passionate about it that every now and then my phone pings and it's a text from you. And it's it's just you very simply sharing a victory you know, sharing a good story. Hey, I just met with this student or, hey, I just had this conversation with a parent and, you know, the passion you have for this. And I loved how you talked about setting the bar high, because as you were saying that right before you said that, I was thinking about how over the years we've set the bar too low. And and I, I was guilty of that. You know, when I first started out in youth ministry, I was very guilty of that because I was part of that, that generation of youth workers who said, hey, you know, let's just get kids in the door and introduce them to Jesus. And, you know, we used all kinds of tricks and, you know, the dog and pony show and, and, and things like that. You know, not, not just donuts. We, we went way beyond donuts. And, but just, you know, how with that now I regret that because both anecdotally and in terms of the research that's out there, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, you just see that you know, this this generation that I was a part of ministering to has really wandered in many ways, or if they haven't wandered, they certainly haven't wandered more deeply. Uh, if they haven't wandered away from the faith, you know, they just sort of, you know, stayed stagnant. And, you know, I, for me, you know, the older I get, the more passionate I become about doing things right. And even my own spiritual growth, as you see, the riches of the scriptures and the way the Holy Spirit uses that in our, in, in our lives. And Kyle, just very quickly, would you mention uh, the podcast that you're a part of that we started here at CPYU? I'm very excited about this. Yeah, uh, we're up to episode nine on the Word in Youth Ministry podcast, which is a CPYU podcast along with this and one other podcast. And we're excited, myself and um, a youth, uh, two other youth workers, one named Matt, who's in San Antonio, Texas, and Linda, who's outside of Orlando, Florida, just are having a blast discussing uh, how to best teach the Bible to students in the youth ministry setting. And it's been fun for us to navigate different topics and uh, and also begin to interview different guests on the show, just because, Walt, as, as we've talked about before on this, on this podcast, uh, as we've been trying to figure out how we can best equip youth workers and also continue to grow ourselves, we just haven't found very many, if any, uh, podcasts or resources specifically about how to teach the Bible to students. And I just think uh, the opportunity to change the trajectory of students' lives, where you have a teenager, let's think of uh, just a 13-year-old girl who's growing up in many, and we there'd be many examples of a girl like this in youth ministries across America and across the world. And if you can teach the Bible in a pure way where they can understand what is being taught and apply it to their heart, 
it can change the trajectory as opposed to a 13 year old girl who's in a youth ministry who's just being taught good moral lessons or being taught um, how this is how you're supposed to live. And really, uh, on this podcast, we've we've looked at many different topics from um, just learning how to teach about the Bible to teaching difficult passages to uh, today's episode that just came out on the day that we're recording this is about how to teach students about the local church. And I'm just thrilled about where that's going and, and thankful for CPYU hosting our podcast. Yeah, we're, we're glad you're doing it. It's getting a lot of traction, and I think it's a great resource. So you can... Uh, with both these guys learn about the Bible and learn about comics uh, through their podcast. So it's, it's great. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you guys this question uh, because I know with this new book, you both have talked about how you're going to use it this fall or how you've been using it just out of the gate, you know, with the summer over as you start a new school year. Uh, wh- what are the things you're focusing on in terms of your ministries to, to young people and even, young adults and and parents. Kevin, let's start with you and just hear, you know, a little bit about that, because I I find these conversations helpful. It reminds me many times personally of things I need to focus on in my own life, but also ministry-wise, and I hope, uh, I trust the youth workers who are listening, you know, they'll benefit from this as well. Yeah, so here in LA, um, our our schools are back in person uh, for the first time in a year and a half, and so uh, we are still getting settled into um, all the things that we need to be doing because, again, in-person worship for us actually hasn't, or, or even in-person gatherings for any Bible study or any youth ministry, um, that hasn't been possible until the last couple of months. And so we're just getting back into uh, the groove of things. But one of the things that I've discovered as I've returned back into youth ministry this fall is that um, we haven't had very many conversations about um, what's been happening in uh, culture. Um, with all of the screen time that our students have been having the last year and a half, uh, both on Zoom for schools, but just in general, the rise in the use of TikTok and YouTube and just the amount of content that they're consuming, um, just realizing that this is definitely a conversation that we need to be having with our students. And not just like as a series, but really kind of throughout the year in retraining them to better understand how to filter the things that they're um, watching and the things that they're consuming. Um, and so, yeah, we are going to be using your uh, book, The Navigating Culture, um, with our youth workers first uh, to give them a good foundation for understanding how we're going to be processing through all of this uh, all throughout the year. Uh, and then the goal is to get our youth leaders to do one-to-one or one-to-two sort of book studies uh, through the book uh, with individual students that actually want to go deeper. Um, and then we're going to be doing a number of different uh, sermon series this year actually around navigating culture specifically and, and how we do that. Because we really want to make the emphasis um, and really help our students to, to get this this year. Yeah. Uh, we do have to pull back, I think, on a lot of the intensity um, of the ways that we've done youth ministry in the past for us. And I know that's very unique to us just because a year and a half of lockdown, a year and a half of you know just not being able to be in person, um, there's a lot of things for us that are that we're, we're considering um, sort of youth ministry triage here. Um, and this is a very unique situation for us. And so we're basically taking the next year to really regather, um, really focus on heart. Kyle, I love what you said earlier about the idea that like students, oftentimes we think of uh, attention span as being really low. And so that's why we kind of set the bar low. But the truth is, if we're preaching and teaching for the heart, uh, they will sit there and listen for an hour. You know, if it matters to them, like they will, they can handle it. It's not, it's not an issue. Uh, and so really thinking about how we affect and um, make an impact on the heart level this year. And so I think, um, again, Walt, your, your book on navigating culture is so helpful for helping us to understand how we do that in the midst of our students' hearts being pulled in so many different directions this past year. You know, something you said there, Kevin, really resonates with me. I really like it where you you basically said, you know, when we look at culture and we look at how to navigate culture, this is not a once-and-done thing. We're not going to have this conversation once. This is an ongoing conversation, and, you know, we've talked about that before here on the podcast, especially when it comes to matters of sexuality and gender. We've said here for years that the culture is catechizing kids 24-7, and when you think about sexuality and gender— that's certainly the case. Just this morning, I put a blog post up about a, um, a middle school 
here in Pennsylvania. I had a friend uh, was in the school for a meeting in the uh, administrative office, came out of the administrative office. School was getting ready to start for the first day. And there uh, across the hall on a huge bulletin board, you know, and those are always redone and curated at the beginning of school, both in the classrooms and in the hallways. And there was uh, a massive pride bulletin board. People can go to our website, cpyu.org, and look at the blog entry, and you'll see the photo that's there. And it's, it, really is, it really is catechizing our kids. So if culture's speaking 24-7 about what we're to believe and how we're to behave and who we're to be, what our identity is, doesn't it make sense that we do the same from a biblical perspective? So I really love that you said that this is going to happen. And these, these, this ability to think Christianly about culture, again, it's not just once and done, as you've said, but it's a skill that we have to practice over and over and over again, because till the day we die, we're living in a culture that's rapidly changing, and these are, these are life skills. So, yeah, that was a good word. Kyle, what about you as you kick off the school year? Yeah, as we're getting ready to navigate this new school year, uh, we're obviously getting ready to do our normal uh, programs. Or Here we use a book called The Trellis and the Vine by Tony Payne and Colin Marshall. It came out of Australia, actually. And we talk about setting our trellises up, our different programs up, so that then the majority of our time can be vine work, can be people work, can be people growing on these trellises. And so we have our normal uh, programs or trellises set in terms of youth ministry on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings. But as we're recording this, uh, the main thing we're getting ready to do is last year due to COVID, we were not able to do our big uh, outreach to our local high school. So we're in Canfield. Canfield High School is probably about a mile and a half from here. And we normally do a big outreach after the local high school football games, where uh, over the past years, we've seen more and more students come here. And uh, we like to say that we're breaking down misconceptions of the church by hosting something here after the football games where students can come, they can eat good food. We have, we have uh, activities that they love to do, um, but they also hear the gospel and, are, and have the opportunity to take resources about the Bible on their way out the door. And so we've just seen God do some incredible things. Like one night uh, we had uh, 24% of the local high school here at our church after the football game. And they all heard the gospel. They all were in our church. And uh, then COVID hit. And last year, we couldn't do this at all. So we're getting ready. Friday night is our first fifth quarter. And uh, not sure what to expect as, you know, a lot of momentum halted. But it's been fun to see. Uh, even now, I'm doing a Bible study with a student at our local college, Youngstown State University. And I first met him at one of these fifth quarter outreaches. So we don't always see what God is doing, but uh, we're just trusting that as we plant seeds and water seeds, uh, that God will give the growth in his timing. So we're getting ready for that, as well as uh, we do a, uh, a quick Bible study. There's a coffee shop about uh, maybe a quarter of a mile from Canfield High School. So Tuesday mornings at 7.05, any students from Canfield High School, we invite they buy coffee, we do a quick Bible study, and then uh, we send them to school. They, their school is right beside the coffee shop. So we're just getting all ready for that and uh, excited about uh, the new school year starting. I love the passion you guys have. And, you know, this is, when I hear this, it fuels me because every year, you know, when we get started here at CPYU, I'm praying, Lord, fuel my passion as we sort of come out of the break of the summer. You know, I take vacation and study leave where I, where I read and do some other things. And so being able to come out hearing this is, uh, this is a boost to me. So, hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask a very dangerous question because both these guys have had a chance to read this book. I sent it on to them ahead of time before uh, it was actually published, and I want to know what they thought of it. So, again, dangerous question. Uh, but we'll ask it. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of Youth Culture Matters. Hey, youth workers, I want to let you know about a podcast resource we've recently launched here at CPYU that's just for you. Our brand new The Word in Youth Ministry podcast is a podcast by youth workers and for youth workers that will help you build and improve your ability to teach the Bible and theology to your students. There is not a more important discipleship task than correctly teaching the truths of God's Word to the kids we've been called to lead. 
We want them to hear the biblical narrative over and above the constant 24-7 noise of the cultural narrative. So check out the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. You can find it at cpyu.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at CPYU, and I'm with my dear friends, Kevin Yee and Kyle Hoffsmith. These guys are boots-on-the-ground guys who, along with the rest of you, are struggling to figure out how to do ministry and how to grow in ministry and how to grow kids. And one of the reasons why we love these conversations is this is truly— I feel this with these guys, iron sharpens iron. And these guys, the conversations I've had with them over the years— even though they're both half my age, uh, roughly, I think. I think they are half my age or maybe, I don't know, less than half my age. But a- anyway, th- these guys have really sharpened me. And, you know, one thing I'm committed to is we never stop learning. And I think if we get to the point where we think we have it all figured out, boy, be ready for a fall. Um, I just – I remember – graduating from seminary and the weekend we graduated I was walking up the steps of the library up there in South Hamilton at Gordon Conwell with a buddy of mine a classmate and we were just thinking about it didn't really go super fast because it was grueling up there but we were saying you know I said to my friend man I wish I knew as much now today as I thought I knew when I came in here and I've thought about that a lot you know that that's become more real for me over the years, there's always more to learn. There's always more to read. There's, you know, so much more to study. And so I appreciate you guys leading me into good books. Kyle, you mentioned the trellis and the vine. And during the break, we were talking about that. And I'm thinking, I got to read that. So I'm unfamiliar with that. But we, by the way, I'm going to let everybody know, Chris, Chris Wagner, who's in the studio with us here. All these things we mention, uh, if you go to the player uh, for this episode of the podcast, episode of Youth Culture Matters, go to cpyu.org, our homepage. You'll find all the resources that are mentioned here listed, and there are links to those things. And we're going to include these guys, their podcasts as well. So uh, make sure you avail yourself of that. So so here's the question, all right? And, and we're going to have a conversation because I want you guys to pick my brain about my thought processes and what I was trying to do with this little book. But I'm curious what you thought of it you know you guys i i trust you guys i sent it to you guys beforehand i know uh endorsements and and things like that were very helpful but you know boots on the ground you guys are working with kids how helpful do you think this is you know what do you think of it it's a such a great resource Walt. we're really grateful for it um I think the the best part of the book is how approachable it is it's approachable for people who don't really enjoy reading um, the chapters are short and engaging. Uh, the illustrations are solid, and they really help to lay out the the ways in which I think both parents, uh, youth workers, and students actually, even though it's called the Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, I think it's really helpful for uh, parents and youth workers as well um, to be able to understand how we talk about these things with students. Um, one of the things we're struggling with in our group is our, our students' default assumption is that whenever we talk about anything from culture, it's always going to be from the lens of don't watch this, don't do that, don't participate in this, don't listen to this. Um, and so they, they have taken on this idea that Christianity stands in opposition to much of what they enjoy. And so this is not something they want to listen to from us because they think that everything that we're talking about is from that sort of adversarial perspective. Um, and I think what this book does is it really breaks down um, that idea and really helps us to understand that. Actually, no, there's a lot of we need to be better about uh, understanding the good things that are in our culture. Uh, what is it that we can celebrate while also paying attention to the things that are shaping us in ways that aren't actually biblical? Uh, but doing that in a conversational manner uh, and really learning how to um, exegete the culture, so to speak, um, kind of breaking down the things that we're listening to and the things that we're watching, as you mentioned, the ways in which uh, our culture is catechizing us. But having that be a legit conversation as opposed to this is the way you should believe and that's kind of it. So, Yeah. yeah and Kevin, I, I like how you said how approachable this book is. I mean, holding it in my hand right now, um, it's about – 
about 90 pages long. And the benefit of a book this size in youth ministry is one, students aren't as scared of it as if we're handing them, a, you know, a very thick book. But two, it's a book that kids can work through um, at their own pace. And it's attainable to work through at their own pace. Because even if, a, if, even if a student doesn't have a very high reading level, uh, they can still get through it in a short amount of time and think about it. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but uh, when I put books in the hands of either parents to read with students or um, hoping that students read with them, many different things can come to mind, both for me and for the students. But, but what I loved about this book, Walt, um, and even just the title, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, is that every student is living in culture, whether they realize it or not. Right. So it's it's literally like this book can help students navigate the world that they live in, and they might not have even realized, as you talk about in this book, uh, the necessity to navigate it. Right? Some some a high school student or a middle school student doesn't realize they're swimming. The illustration you use in the book, they're swimming in culture, and uh, this book is making it aware uh, to them. And well, I was just wondering. Uh, if I can ask you an introduction sure. question to this book, and that is for our listeners who are listening today, thinking about culture and worldview. So these are two words that you talk about in the book, and I think they're uh, you know hot bucket topics that we talk about in youth ministry. You say in the book that culture is like the water that we're swimming in, and worldview is like the glasses that we're wearing, or I was thinking like the goggles that we're swimming with when we're in that water. Um, how would you further explain that to a youth worker uh, if their kids have never thought about this before? Yeah. And and by the way, let me just mention this, that, you know, two of the issues that I really tried to hit hard in this and and in an accessible way uh, with with some brevity, but with depth, that that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. And I really worked hard to do that. I mean, I, I walked away from this project and this was the 10th book I've written. It's by far the shortest. And when I finished, I thought, okay, th and this is for students. Most of what I write is for parents and for youth workers. And it's really taken some time for me to come to the conclusion as I've gone back and read it that this might be the most important book I've ever read cause it, or, or written because it, it's, it's one that could really shape kids. And, and the reason for that, and you, you hit on this, Kyle, is that, yes, we all live in culture, but we don't know it. And I think what we have to do, what I've tried to do in here is is help kids understand and help youth workers and parents understand it's there, it's a part of our world, and we have to reckon with it. And we need to look at it in the right way. It's not, you know, as, as Kevin said, it's not something to run from, but it's, a, it's where God has put us. And I often say to parents, you know, like you can lament everything that's going on in the world right now and say, as some biblical characters, I think on three occasions actually did, you know, God, remove me from this place. But the reality is, just as Jesus was a particular man sent by God at a particular time to a particular place with a particular pre uh, uh, message, the same thing for parents and for youth workers. You're here by God's sovereign, providential design. And this particular place, this particular time with a particular message. And we have to learn how to communicate that in the midst of this culture. And a big part of that is understanding what it is we need to navigate. So I'm trying with a culture piece, and this is what I hope youth workers can understand and parents as well and teach to their kids, that this is what culture is. It's a soup we swim in every day. And as, as we have said here at CPYU for years, it's both a map and a mirror. So for those of us who are older, we look at our kids' culture, which many times is our own culture as well, and it mirrors back to us those values, those attitudes, those behaviors that they're being catechized in, that are being promoted, that they're being told to adopt. And when it mirrors that back to us, now we're able to not only be aware of it, but we go to God's Word to look at how God's Word speaks to those things. And then, as Kevin said, it's not that we demonize everything we celebrate and affirm truth where we see it coming out in the culture and we're trying to teach kids through this book how to do that uh, but we but we also we want to challenge and correct and steer kids away from those places where in the culture they're going to encounter the lies of the world the flesh and the devil as the scripture calls that and 
So that's the thing with culture, right? So so be aware you're in it. You know, it's just like you're constantly on alert. And most of us just, just go through life just assimilating everything and thinking this is normal and this is the way it's supposed to be. And for the Christian, that's not the case. We go back to Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall into sin, and we see the way the world's supposed to be. And so uh, this helps kids differentiate between the way the world's supposed to be and how to live to the glory of God, and then those lies that we so easily believe and fall into on just about everything in life, you know, whether it's play or work or academics or relationships, sexuality, gender, how to use social media, whatever it is. I mean, everything in this world is a part of the culture. So that would be the thing with that. And then, you know, the worldview part of it is if we say that culture is a map, we have to realize that our kids are extremely vulnerable because of where they're at in the developmental stage, trying to find answers to the questions, you know, who am I and what do I believe? And worldview speaks to both of those things. And all of us wear a set of glasses, whether we know it or not, through which we look at the world and and come to understand what truth is and then how, you know, or what truth is for us, right? Maybe not what the truth, capital T, is when we talk about God's Word. But we adopt these things, and then we start to live into them. And habits, you know, Jamie Smith talks about how our habits form us, and we need to understand that, you know, the worldview we adopt will either lead to formation or in a sinful and broken world, it could lead to deformation. And so many of our kids are being deformed because they're just living into what the culture says without thinking Christianly about it. So, you know, worldview, Kyle, uh, I've given such a long answer here that I forget your original question. Which, that was helpful because I, yeah. I was thinking that some people have never even thought about teaching culture or have never thought about teaching, uh, you know, worldview to students. And what you're saying points to something you've discussed in the book, uh, which is a big word that might look scary but isn't scary, and that's cultural exegesis. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if maybe we could dive into that real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. Before I'll let Kevin ask a question, but uh, can we dive into cultural exegesis yeah. a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, uh, so so let me let me give an illustration from my seminary days that we had classes in biblical exegesis. And what was eye-opening to me when you're instructed well uh, in biblical exegesis is that a lot of the things you thought the Bible was saying, the Bible never really was saying. Uh, because our, our, our pattern and our habit is, you know, like, like, let's imagine going to a Bible study. Who hasn't had this experience where you go to a Bible study and you have a bunch of people sitting around who are uh, on an equal plane in terms of our biblical knowledge or ignorance, and we read a particular passage. We never ask, you know, what the point of this passage was or who wrote it or who was the audience. And we read the passage, hoping that the Scriptures will speak to us. And we understand the Holy Spirit, you know, that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That happens. But rather than, than asking first the question, what does this mean, uh, we ask the question, what does this mean to me? Or what does this mean to you? And we've all heard, and we've all been guilty of, having some pretty out-there, wacky understandings and totally taking scripture out of its context. So what I learned in seminary was, you know, good biblical exegesis asks many, many questions about intent, about the, the deep meaning of the passage before you get to the point of application. And cultural exegesis, and I'm making this pretty simple here, cultural exegesis is basically doing, you know, taking, taking care to look at a piece of, of culture a cultural artifact, and, and say, well, what is that, and, and, and what does that mean, and what is the influence of that, and how does it, you know, how is it shaping or misshaping me and my own children and my grandchildren or the kids in my youth group, you know, so for example, you know, I'll tell you what, one of the things you could do, and Chris, we'll, we'll have to put one of these up, but if you go way back into our archives, uh, I used to write these lengthy cultural exegetical pieces on popular music artists. So one of them that came up, somebody somebody talked to me about this recently, said, oh, I remember, you know, a few years ago when I went to the National Youth Workers Convention and you did an entire three-hour seminar 
on what youth workers and parents can learn about kids from the music of Dave Matthews. So that's dating it right now a little bit, although there's a lot of people <laughs> still listening to Dave Matthews, right? I, I put him on a playlist a couple of weeks ago, was listening into the car and going, oh, yeah, I remember this music fondly. But what I did was I went through and I learned his story. And I talked about his story and how his story and his beliefs were coming out in his music and what that teaches us. You know, if that's a map, what is it teaching our kids? What is it teaching his followers? You know, what is, how is that shaping or misshaping worldviews? And then ultimately, what can we learn about parenting and youth ministry based on what we're learning about the culture from that. So it's it's basically going deeper. And, you know, here at CPYU, we have another little tool called uh, How to Use Your Head to Guard Your Heart, uh, a 3D guide to media evaluation, which takes teaches kids how to do three steps, you know, with a media piece. So it could be a film. It could be, you know, a comic book. It could be uh, we've done a lot with music. You can find our 3D reviews online. Um, we've got one, well, I think the most recent one is what Cliff or Chris on, uh, Olivia Rodrigo. So, um, so, so that's on there, but we, you know, discover what is this saying? Okay. We want to understand what it says first. Discern is how do we put what it's saying up against the truths of God's word and then decide is, you know, okay, so what am I going to do about that? Where, what's the application piece here? And so we have some of those up there, but that's cultural exegesis. It's thinking carefully and and wanting to know what this really is and what it really means and how it's influencing the people that it's influencing for better or for worse. And that's that's probably a simple way of saying it because ultimately, you know, this is the stuff that shapes or misshapes our worldview. So in the book, I want kids to know you live in culture. You have a worldview, whether you know it or not. Why not? I mean, aren't we called? It's an act of worship to to be about cultivating our worldview so that it, it, it helps us lean into things that are good, true, right, and honorable, and our lives then become lives of discipleship, and we, we wind up bringing glory to God. Yeah, well— um... Well, I think that's so crucial for youth workers to get and to understand how to do that because we're in a time also where we have some we have had some high profile Christians, uh, Christian celebrities, so to speak, uh, deconstruct over the last couple of years. And, you know, so being a college and young adults pastor and then also now doing youth ministry and actually having students college students go through that struggle of deconstruction and working through the, the, the questions that they have, the doubts that they have. One of the things that I, I've realized in conversation with these students is they didn't realize and understand just how much the culture was shaping the ways in which they approached the Bible, right? So there was so much skepticism with regards to the, the Bible, but they weren't asking those same questions of the cultural assumptions that they were getting from just all the different kinds of things that they had been watching and absorbing and listening to. Um, and so I'm realizing just how important, more important it is and how much of a um, sort of emergency situation, so to speak. I think it, for me, it's especially because I'm, I'm seeing this um, like in person now because we're, we're gathered, we're able to have these uh, deep, deeper conversations. And I'm realizing, wow, this is something that we absolutely have to, to, to do a massive reset on and really help our students get this stuff in middle school. You know, um, it, high school is too late to some degree, right? I think they really need to be getting this stuff in middle school um, because they're, they're going to have a lot more freedom. Their parents are going to be giving them smartphones for the first time. They're going to be involved in this content um, in ways that they haven't before. And I'm realizing, man, if we don't get this in their hands now, when they get to college, we shouldn't be surprised when they all start to deconstruct because of the ways in which um, the culture actually uh, has been shaping them or misshaping them uh, to look at the Bible a certain way, right? Um, that they're literally being uh, having these glasses put on them that give them this high degree of skepticism with regards to uh, the Bible, which is why actually I appreciate the way in which you talk about story um, and, and living in God's story and really understanding God's story. Um, and I think it's so crucial for us to understand that that's actually something that our students can um, deeply feel. And again, right now, uh, I'm really all about how do we reach and engage students' hearts. 
And we can't do this unless we're telling a compelling story, right? That's the culture. That's the soup that they're in right now. Yeah. Um, they're in, engaged in some incredible storytelling. I mean, just, uh, you know, comparing the movies that you can watch now and just the types of storytelling that's possible now in the mediums that we have as opposed to, I mean, there are TikTok videos that are like 30 seconds long that tell these incredible stories. Um, and I think as youth pastors, we have to understand how God's story is the best story and how actually the stories that we're most drawn to uh, is the story of the gospel itself. And if we can show our students how to see uh, the, the sacrifice, the love that Christ has given to us on the cross um, in a lot of that's that's shadowed and that's mirrored in so much of what we're seeing in culture. Um, I actually think that will help our students grow a love for Christ, um, because, again, that's what they're drawn to. Yeah. Uh, and to help them see that their deepest longing is actually to be known and to be loved uh, fully. And um, I think you, you do such a good job uh, in the book. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more on that about yeah. what it means to know and live in God's story. Yeah. yeah. Two thoughts as you say that, Kevin, and thanks for prompting that, uh, because that's a, that's really important to me. First is this, you know, you, you, the problem you're, that you're, you're raising here, the issue that you're raising is that we, I, th I think, I mean, this is my evaluation, I think we lack discernment. We need to teach our kids. We need to learn ourselves how to discern. And that starts by looking at God's Word and putting everything up against the measuring stick of God's Word. And I think one of the, one of the issues with all these deconstruction stories and then even much of the animosity towards the Christian faith right now is rooted in the fact that uh, rather than looking at all of life, through the lens and the framework of the scriptures, the timeless truths of God's word and God's story, we are uh, looking at the scriptures through the lens and the framework or the set of glasses of the culture. So instead of evaluating what we encounter in culture and discerning well through the framework of, of putting it under the light of God's word, we're doing the opposite. And I see that in the church. I see that in the world of youth ministry, and that's really distressing. And and so this leads me to the second thing you bring up about God's story. And Kyle and his crew just did a podcast, I think it was episode 8 of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast, where they talked about the importance of God's story and what is God's story. And I, I outline it in this book in a very simple way, very simple uh, way. There's so much more you can learn about it, but it's looking at at the scriptures, uh, and and this man, this revo—I mean, this just reoriented my whole life and brought my faith to life years and years ago when I first heard this. Because I thought, you know, the Bible is a sort of a disjointed uh, book of moral stories, and you know, do this and don't do that, and rules and regulations. But when you look and you see that this unfolding drama of redemption, which I really learned well when I was a student at Geneva College, and they still teach this there. Um, Chris went to Geneva. My wife went to Geneva, and she talks, Lisa talks about, man, this just brought the scriptures to life. The unfolding drama of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, you know, creation, Genesis 1 and 2, fall, Genesis 3, redemption, very quickly in Genesis 3, when God starts to reveal and unfold his plan for sending a Savior, you know, someone who... He says to the to the enemy, um, you know, to to, to Satan, uh, the serpent in the garden, he you will you will bruise his heel. He he will crush your head, and that's the first mention there of the redeemer and that whole unfolding plan of redemption in that you know chapter three of the biblical story. So you got creation, fall, redemption, and then ultimately in the last couple chapters of Revelation. And this is what we have to live towards, you know, living in light of eternity. I desperately want kids to learn this, and even adults as well. You know, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, when God makes all things new. And so we live in light of eternity rather than just in light of the here and now. So that's the story. And I'm telling you, when you—I have trained youth workers in that who have been teaching the Bible for years, and they never heard that. And they will come back and say, man, that has just, and by the way, it's not, that's not original to me. I mean, it's just what I learned and what is right and what I work to teach. And man, that just changes everything. So a simple example of this would be, 
you know, when it comes to matter of sexuality and gender, even in the church, you know, pe- people are reaching for this, that, and the other thing. And even in the churches, we try to to expand God's borders and boundaries, God's good and well-intentioned borders and boundaries uh, given to us by the Creator who loves us and wants us to flourish and thrive. You know, I find many who are trying to expand those borders and boundaries or change them in the church through their ministries and even their youth ministries never go back to chapter 1 and look at God's created intent for matters of sexuality and gender that he intended and he pronounced good. And if we don't go back there, the rest of the story is just, it's just skewed. And so to go back there with our students and say, look, in the culture, you're hearing this about sexuality and gender, but let's look through the framework of the scripture. Here's another, this is a story for you to consider and and lay it out for our kids and let God's spirit do the work of, you know, changing them and and transforming them and do it it lovingly and with grace. It is is eye-opening and it is life-transforming. And so that's one of the chapters, you know, that in, in this little book, and, and they are short chapters. I'm, I got, when Kyle said I picked it up, I thought he was going to say it, it weighs less than a feather because uh, it, is, it is a small uh, book. But, you know, so we talk about culture, your story, and God's story, and just living, um, leaning your story into God's story rather than the culture story and exercising discernment. So Chris has given me uh, – Chris is pointing at the watch that is not on his wrist uh, and just telling us, hey, we got to take a break. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation. Tens of thousands of kids have been trained by their parents and youth workers to think Christianly about music and media with our How to Use Your Head to Guard Your Heart 3D Guide to Making Wise Media Choices. This easy-to-use teaching tool needs to be in your youth ministry toolbox if you desire to teach your students to integrate their faith into all of life. Jesus calls us to follow Him, and that includes following Him into the six to nine hours a day of screen time that shape and mold the beliefs and behaviors of our kids. To learn more about our 3D Media Evaluation Guide and to order a copy for every member of your youth group, go to our website at cpyu.org. Teach your kids to engage with media to the glory of God. Okay, as we come back to our conversation about this new book from us here at CPYU, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, which, by the way, you can... Uh, go on to our website. Chris will include a link for this. We'd love if you'd order these from us because it helps support our ministry. Uh, the The good news is we have them. The bad news is we sell them uh, not individually but in 10 packs. And part of the reason for that is the cost is so low that we don't want to lose money on this. We have to keep our nonprofit ministry going here. But you can order it from us. And the reason it's in 10 packs is we want you to get it in the hands of your students and, and read through it with students. So youth workers have said, you know, good, the, the packs are great. Um, and Chris will have a link for how to, how to get to that on our website at cpyu.org and on the player for this podcast. But Kyle, you had a question uh, you were itching to ask right before the break. Yeah, Chris cut me off, said we had to take a break, but I'm, we're back now. So, Walt, as you were discussing the different chapters that you wrote, it reminded me actually uh, this morning, right before we recorded this podcast episode, I was meeting with a student to discuss chapters four, five, and six. And one of the uh, chapter five is is how students can view gender through the eyes of the world, word, and walk. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I found it was interesting uh, last week when I discussed chapters one to three with this student. Uh, On page 23 of this book, you write, my cultural soup shapes how I think about identity, relationships, sex, life purpose, gender, justice, work, play, academics, money, race, authority, and everything else under the sun, which I thought was sly how you said that. Well, you listed a whole bunch and anything else under the sun. But it was interesting when I asked this uh, 14-year-old student to uh, think through these issues listed here in the book and which is the most prominent among teenagers today. The issue that he selected was gender, that 
uh, students are thinking about gender, about gender fluidity, about transitioning genders. So I was just wondering, Walt, uh, how you landed on this list of things that teenagers are are working through? Because I know you've been doing youth uh, youth culture stuff for what four decades now, maybe almost five decades. But as you've been thinking, Thanks, like, Kyle. how did you land on this list? Yeah. Well, you know, some of these are. are oh, well, well, by the way, that's another. I that's another way to say. You are getting older, Walt. Yes, I am. I am. Over the summer, I'm not going to, well, I'll say it. I turned 65 <laughs> over the summer and was devastated when I found out I had to apply for Medicare. It's required by law. I was I was choosing not to do that. And then someone said, oh, you want to get penalized. And I thought, wait a minute, is this going to cost me money? And so I thought, okay, I got to do it. So anyway, Anyways, uh, you're only you as young here? as you feel. Yeah. You know, some of these that you that, that I listed there and, the, and you read that sentence right some of these are are universal. I mean, kids were dealing with this stuff way, way back. It's changed a little bit in terms of we're more aware now of issues of race. We're more aware of uh, issues of um, justice. We're more aware of issues uh, of gender, all right? And and I think even sexuality. And But these are the hot... It's a combination of what I came up with. It was just off the top of my head. These are the hot things in the culture right now, and these are the things that maybe we're not thinking about, that we're just going through life and not thinking about some of these things, but we must because the gospel speaks to it, and the culture's catechizing us on these things all the time. I mean, just just think about the issue of money. I mean, this has always been. I mean, you read the New Testament letters. You read what Jesus said. You look at the Old Testament about what some of the battles were the things that became idols in people's lives. It's its the same today. And it's just that the culture maybe is is coming at it from a different angle, uh, but actually is much more powerful because it's so much more pervasive thanks to media, you know, the Internet and celebrity culture. So that's how I came up with that. Uh, but I'm glad that, you know, he settled on that because, you know, I did put two chapters at the end that offer examples uh, of how to think through these issues, one on gender and one on social media and how we post. And I think those are timely, you know, for kids and for adults to think about as well. Yes. Which Walt was fascinating because, so he's 14 and uh, he just got a phone on his 14th birthday, but his parents don't allow him to have social media. So we got to check, it was good. We talked about gender as he is discussing this stuff, but then it was it was helpful even to discuss this before he has social media, because it can help him think now before he actually is swimming in it to use the paradigm used here. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm so encouraged you're using that with, with uh, a 14 year old. It's awesome. For sure. Well, I would like to follow up with that as we are talking about world work and the walk paradigm, uh, which in your book uh, you use as a way for Christians to live faithfully. So, you know, we talked a lot about cultural exegesis. How do we do that? Uh, the book lays that out. But what do we do with that? Right. So now that we know what the culture is, how do we walk faithfully um, in the actual culture that we're in? And so if you could um, go into detail about that, I think that'd be really, really helpful. Yeah, and this is probably a good way to, to end our conversation, you know, to bring around it, it around to the end, because, you know, we can talk yeah, theoretically about things like culture. We can talk theoretically about worldview. And, and I think we have to, you know, to really understand that. But what difference does that make in, in my daily life? And how do I bring this home in, in the simplest possible way to teach young people skills that will serve them, skills and discernment? Uh, biblical exegesis, cultural exegesis, and then cultural discernment that will serve them well for the rest of their lives. And so I very simply lay this out, that there's a three-step process. So, you know, remember back to when I talked about our 3D guy, we talked about filtering uh, cultural artifacts like music through discover, discern, decide. And it came to me as as I was writing this that there's a another simple way to think about this, and that is that we start first with the world. So what is what is the cultural reality that's out there? You know, what is the world saying to us about play? What does the world say to us about the purpose of academics or the purpose of work? Or what is the world saying about how we find our identity? Or, you know, what about gender? Is there a binary or is it something more than that? Or what about sexuality? What is the purpose and place 
of of sexuality. Again, you can, you can apply this to just as Kyle said, anything else under the sun. Mm-hmm. So so we start with the world, and we want to 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 hold back and and keep from passing just judgment, but get our kids to look at it objectively. And and the basic question is, what is the world saying? What is the world's narrative on this? And then once we understand that. And, and as you teach them how to do that, they're going to start to look around and things will pop at them because it'll become second nature. They'll be thinking this way for the rest of their lives. Their eyes will be opened in discerning ways to see, you know, what is the spirit of the times? Because by and large, as we said before, when it comes to culture, we just don't under, even understand it. We're swimming in it and it has an influence on us. So then we step into the second step as we go from world to the Word, God's Word. What has God said about these things? You know, what does God say about play? What does God say about, you know, academics? What does God say about relationships or gender or sexuality or, again, any other topic under the sun? And so we we get our kids involved in Bible study, and they're starting to dig deep within the context of what we talked about before, God's story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration— and it's basically a comparison between God's word on how he says this is the way things are supposed to be, and then the world and the culture where typically we find things are not the way they're supposed to be. So we're now comparing uh, and looking at God's or God, looking at the culture, the world under the light of God's word, the illuminating light of God's word. And then we move to that third step, which is walk. You know, what does this mean for me and how I walk through God's world and this current culture for now and for the rest of my life? And I'm telling you, you know, you guys know the challenges are are coming, uh, you know, more regularly and and with greater intensity, I think, than ever before. At least we're aware of that. And that's a good thing because maybe that can drive us now to teach our kids about taking those three steps world, word, and walk. And so we lay that out in the book and give examples of that specifically in the end so our students can see how this works itself out in terms of the issue of gender and gender identity and then secondarily on social media and how we use that, specifically how we use that and utilize that, the the kinds of things that we post. Because I think the the scriptures, social media is not a bad thing. You know, it's a great gift. Uh, We all use it at some level. And we're using technology right now, but how can we use that to the glory of God? So that's that's the way that that works out. I really appreciate you, Kevin, asking that asking that question because that's really the crux of the book. We want to get kids thinking. And, and I'll add one more thing, and it goes back to what you said early on, as you talked about you know what you're doing there with your students at, at church every day in Northridge, California. And that is, this isn't something you just teach once and then you move on to something else. This is actually something that you need to do in an ongoing matter, manner. So with your middle school students, with your high school students, you can pull this out every once every month, once every two months, once every three months. Choose some trend in the culture and start to work through it. Uh, I've even thought that youth workers could use this on a weekend retreat and teach this book over the course of the weekend and actually start to practice these things, which would jumpstart students in a concentrated way to do this more regularly throughout the year, both in the context of their youth group community or in their home with their parents or even, you know, just individually or in a, in a small group. So, um, you know, I, I like that, that, it, that it's, an on, it's an ongoing thing, and we have to practice it. You know, I'll go back to what Jamie Smith says. We all know this, right? Our habits form us. And our lack of habits can deform us, or our bad habits can deform us, and we want to develop these good habits. So, yeah, thank you for that, Kevin. I, I really appreciate that. I, we, we've actually come to the end of our time, and, and I want to thank folks for listening in. Kevin, I want to thank you. Kyle, I want to thank you for, for being a part of this. And we're going to continue to check in with you guys and others who use this book Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, which we did as part of the track series with Reformed Youth Ministries. And you can go online to cpyu.org to learn more about this and even to order your copies of this. 
And I'm going to say this uh, at the end for those who have stuck with us. I'm going to we're going to put something up uh, on uh, Facebook and on the player for this particular podcast after it releases, where uh, we want to hear from you on what some of the some of the hot issues are that you're dealing with or you're finding that your students are dealing with. And uh, for people who respond on on Facebook or on Twitter to what we post, it'll be on my own Facebook page. Uh, Walt Mueller or on the CPYU Facebook group or even on the CPYU Twitter. Um, We're going to track with that and we will choose one response and we'll send a 10-pack to uh, a youth worker who gives us a good answer and and we'll go ahead and, um, you know, equip you then to start the process of dealing with this uh, with your students. So talk about helping them navigate culture. So, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So thanks so much, guys. Uh, Chris, for the good of the order, is there anything you need to say to us? Chris is always so faithful to sit here quietly. This I realize this is the one time I get you to be quiet. <laughs> Where That's I'm not great. talking. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not talking. I know. I've got a microphone in front of me, and I don't say anything. That's pretty, uh, yeah. But, no, we appreciate all of our listeners, so please like, share, subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you are listening to. That really helps us out. Give us a positive review. Uh, fellow youth workers and parents, tell other people about this podcast. Uh, that really helps us out. Word of mouth is a, is a great tool for getting this resource out there. Thanks. And all of you have listened. Thanks for listening in. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.